Welcome to the second talk which I'm giving on the subject of heaven, when we're seeking to find out not what we think about heaven, but what the Bible actually teaches us about that wonderful place. And in the first talk, we saw that heaven is a created environment. Once there were no heavens, once there was no heaven. Once there was just God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, living in a state of perfect love and unity. But there were no angels, there were no planets, there was no earth, there were no humans for God to love. And God created the heavens by his word. And then last time we saw, secondly, that the Bible nearly always speaks of heaven in the plural, as did Jesus when he taught us to pray, our Father who art in the heavens. It doesn't draw much of a distinction between the heavens as in outer space and heaven as in the dwelling place of God. And then we saw that heaven in the Bible is where God calls home. We saw that God the Father is in heaven, God the Son is in heaven, God the Holy Spirit is in heaven, the good angels are in heaven, and all the Old Testament saved saints are in heaven, people like Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Deborah and Ruth, David and Isaiah. But the really good news is there is another group of people who are in heaven on this very day, together with all of those groups. And so in this second talk, I want to ask the question, what happens to a follower of Jesus when they die? What happens to Christians when they pass away? What happens to believers when they shuffle off this mortal coil? I want to read to you from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Here in this letter, Paul is in prison. He doesn't know whether he's going to be released or executed. He thinks he's going to be released, but he may die. If he's released, he says, then I will live for Christ. For me to live is Christ. If I'm released, it will mean fruitful labour for me. If I live, it's better for you Philippians there in the church in Greece, and I will continue to help you in your progress and in your joy. But if I'm executed, if I die, if my life comes to an end here in this prison, to die is gain. That is to say, I'll be better off 
than I am now. Because to die means to be with Christ. To die, he says, is better by far than being released. Let's turn now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'd like to read a short passage there. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive what is due them for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Paul is reflecting here on his longing to be with Christ, and yet his calling to remain preaching and being an apostle of the gospel. He says that living here in this life is like living in an earthly tent. It means groaning and longing, longing for something better. He uses the word groaning twice. He says it's like groaning and being burdened. He says, as long as I'm alive here, I'm away from the Lord. I'm living by faith. But by contrast, if I were to die, well, dying means living in an eternal house in heaven. It means being clothed with a heavenly dwelling. Dying means being swallowed up by life. It means living by sight. Dying means being at home with the Lord. If I die, it means appearing before the judgment seat of Christ to receive a reward. You see, the Bible never says we should look forward to dying, but it does say that we should look forward to heaven. We should look forward to what follows our dying, which is being with Christ, seeing Jesus, living in an eternal house, having a heavenly dwelling, enjoying eternal life, living by sight, not by faith, being at home with the Lord. No wonder Paul said that to die was better by far. He would far rather be with Christ in heaven than he would be here on earth. But as long as the Lord wanted him here on the earth, he would continue to serve the kingdom of Christ. Jesus had said in John chapter 14, In my Father's house are many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And that is where our dead brothers and sisters are 
this day. They are in their room where Christ has, which Christ has repaired for them. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it describes this heavenly place. It says, you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, to thousands upon thousands of angels, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect. And Dave, our pastor, was a righteous man. He had been made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. Now he's in that heavenly Jerusalem with thousands and thousands of angels and has been made perfect. So heaven, the home of God, is densely populated. God the Father is there. God the Son is there. God the Holy Spirit is there. Thousands of angels are there. The Old Testament saints are there. And now all Christians who die trusting in Jesus for their past and for their future, go immediately to heaven to be with Christ. Peter, in the first letter that he wrote in chapter one says, God has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. You're a Christian, you're listening to me. I can tell you on the authority of Peter himself, there is an inheritance waiting for you that can never perish, spoil or fade, and it's being kept by Christ in heaven for you. So where then does paradise fit into all this? Paradise is a word we've all heard of, but it's one we seldom read of in our Bibles. What does the Bible teach us about paradise? You can read your Old Testament for as many times as you like, you won't find the word in the Old Testament. You will find it just three times in the New Testament. The word itself has the idea of a garden. And as soon as a Jew heard the word garden, they would think of the Garden of Eden, that place of perfection where humans lived freely and sinlessly with God. Jesus used this word on one occasion. Jesus was dying on the cross and one of his fellow victims was taunting him, saying, if you're the son of God, get down off that cross and bring me with you. If you're a savior, then save yourself and save me. If you're a deliverer, then deliver yourself from this crucifixion and deliver me as well and set us, let us set us free. But Luke writes, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. I can tell you that criminal went to paradise on Good Friday. That criminal went to be with Jesus on Good Friday. That criminal went to heaven on Good Friday. The second time 
that paradise is mentioned in the New Testament is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me tell you a bit about the background. Paul was being criticised. They were saying he was a second-rate apostle. In fact, some people thought he wasn't a proper apostle at all. After all, he had never lived with Jesus. He wasn't at the Last Supper. He wasn't at the cross. What right did this upstart Pharisaic Jew have to say that he was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, you can hear them sneering at him. They say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. So there were people around in those days who despised Paul and derided him. And so in chapter 10 and 11 and 12, Paul defends his apostleship. He defends the fact that he is as much an apostle as the 12 followers of Jesus were. And he goes on in chapter 12 to describe the most exalted spiritual experience he had in his life. This is what he says. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man, he means himself, I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to the third heaven. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this person, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that human beings are not permitted to tell. I will boast about someone like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. You see, Paul is saying, that was me. I had this exalted spiritual experience of being caught up to the third heaven, caught up to paradise, and hearing things which I'm not permitted to share with you. What then did he mean by the third heaven? Well, Jews thought of there being three heavens. The first heaven is the atmosphere around the planet Earth. It's where the birds fly. It's where the clouds are. It's where the oxygen is that we breathe. That was the first heaven. The second heaven was the space beyond our planet, where the moon and the stars are, where from time to time they will see Halley's Comet or asteroids burning up, where these days we would spend space, send space rockets to fly. And then the third heaven was paradise, which was a synonym for heaven. Paradise was where God is. And Paul had been there up to the third heaven into paradise and heard things he was never allowed to express. The third time that the word paradise is used in the New Testament is in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus. He had paid them some compliments. He had also given them some tellings off. And at the end, he says to the church, 
To those who overcome, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Paradise, they would think of garden, they would think of Eden, they would think of where the tree of life was, they would think of God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. Paradise, where God is, unsullied and unaffected by sin. So paradise was going to be a kind of Eden restored, a place where there'd be no sin and no suffering and no misery and no pain, a place where you could enjoy the very presence of God. So then what is life going to be like in this garden, in this paradise, in this home of God? What is life like in heaven for our brothers and sisters in Christ? who have died before us and now are with Jesus in heaven, in paradise. The Bible tells us almost nothing about this place beyond what I have told you. We tend to trivialise it. We think of, tend to think of heaven as being rather like earth, but, but rather nicer, with nothing nasty in it. So we say things like, well, he was a Christian football and now he's in heaven. Well, he scores a goal in every game. Or she was a Christian dressmaker and now when she's up there in heaven, she never drops a stitch. We tend to trivialise, trivialise this heaven. Let me just remind you of what we've heard in this talk. This heaven, this paradise is a place with many rooms. It's like a garden. It's called an eternal house, a heavenly dwelling it's a place where we are at home with the Lord, living by sight, not living by faith anymore. It's a busy place with thousands of angels, thousands of Old Testament saints, thousands of Christians who have died in faith. It's a place where our inheritance never perishes, spoils or fades. As Paul says, it's a place which is far, far better than anything we can imagine on this earth. So let's not trivialise this. This heaven, this paradise, is where God is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's where the thousands of angels are and thousands of Old Testament saints and thousands of Christians who've died in faith in Christ. And yet, now, maybe, I'm going to surprise you. The heaven as it is today, the paradise as it is today, is not to be our final destination. Oh no. God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And you will have to wait until the third talk to hear about what the Bible says regarding our final heavenly state. What I've described today, where Christians are this very day with Christ in glory, we sometimes call the intermediate state. But one day God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth, which will be even far more wonderful than the heaven which our friends are enjoying today. So don't miss talk number three where I will try to explain to you what the Bible teaches about the ultimate heaven, the final state, 
the environment in which we will all live forever in our resurrected bodies. I'm now going to play you some music. I hope you'll enjoy it. This music uses the words of the criminal on the cross. Words we can all identify with. Oh. 